welcome to a better lifestyle i am your host richard and i will be with you throughout this journey this show is here to empower individuals to do more in life professionally you will find a variety of topics that will help you to be more productive and more successful so join me and the professionals from different industries as we bring education and knowledge for more success. Hi everybody, my name is Richard L'Esperance and I go by the name of my man Richard. Welcome to A Better Lifestyle. Uh, today we're going to have a roundtable on business and finance. So uh, I think you guys are going to like it. So I have, uh, I think I could say, I think I have the dream team today. So uh, everybody's got to, everybody fits together. So uh, we're going to start. So I'm going to let uh, everybody introduce themselves. If you guys can introduce uh, yourself in about uh, a minute or two, uh, introduce yourself, say what you do and how long have you been doing it. So uh, we'll start with uh, Robert. Oh my goodness. Let's see. Uh, I am a franchise consultant and a franchise investor. I've been in franchising, meaning I've owned franchises. I'm dating myself here, but since 1986, when I first broke into franchising and bought my first West Coast video franchise, if you guys remember the, the video industry and where it is today, but I owned a bunch of those in the Philadelphia area. Uh, also owned a couple of other different franchise concepts that I've built and sold over the years. I was CEO of a national chain. I've been consulting for a, for a couple of decades, and I still get high on my own supply in that I, I own two franchises. One I just bought, one I bought a couple of years ago. So uh, love the franchise category in general. Uh, Unicia? Well, Robert, I will tell you, franchise owners really need the support. I can't tell you how many times I run into franchise owners that are either doing really well or they really struggle. And and there's that in between of how in the world do we climb up to the next level? So um, I'm so happy that you're here. This is Unicia Pret. It's a pleasure to be here with uh, with you guys. I am a wealth strategist. I am the owner and founder of Excelstra, where our mission is to address the question of what is missing for high net worth, high income individuals, typically those very successful business owners that are making money, have found success, but they feel the pinch of paying too much in taxes, not truly knowing how, why, where. Um, money may be invested or could, should be invested. And then last but not least, how do we think about the exit strategies and the legacy that we're going to leave behind and transcending the gamut to bring it all together? And we use a very, very customized quarterback approach where um, the client is not left on their own. They're not just left with some introduction or talk to this or talk to that person, where we actually are the team that sits behind making sure that the overall strategy actually breeds life and and comes to fruition so that's us okay uh lineta hi i'm lenita mitchell blackwell the intuitive business coach and i help very successful people like my panelists here today my panel buddies today to live life on fire a life full of peace joy and fulfillment and I got my start because I am an attorney. I have had my own firm for 17 years here in Atlanta, Georgia, focusing on estate planning, business law, as well as residential real estate. 
and I am also a CPA and my focus is nonprofits. And so I run into a lot of people who are looking for wealth managers and looking for opportunities to diversify with franchising. So I am excited about this panel discussion today. All right, guys, we're going to start uh, in this uh, environment right now that we're in with uh, with the economy and everything, uh, inflation, uh, interest rates, uh, a risk of recession and all. Uh, how was business uh, for you guys in uh, in 2023? Did you guys encounter any challenges? And uh, what's your uh, uh, take and uh, strategy for uh, 2024? I'll start with Robert. Oh, great question. Um, I mean, it, it, you're you're talking about not just a single challenge in potential recession. Uh, and interest rates and so forth. But we've also come out of a pandemic. So that that's obviously been a challenge, which is extremely challenging to a lot of different types of, of businesses. Uh, there's always the challenge of uh, one of the other challenges to franchisees, for instance, may may face is, uh, you know, competing against Amazon. Uh, so when I'm working with a client as a as a as a franchise consultant, I mean, what, what's always in the back of my mind is to focus on what the potential obstacles can be, what can hurt you as a franchisee, whether we have an active conversation about that, or whether that's simply in the back of my mind, and I watch out for my my clients in that respect. But uh, I mean, there's when you're looking at, for instance, a pandemic, Anything that was retail related, especially food, hospitality uh, type businesses, got annihilated during during the pandemic. So I'm always very cognizant of, of types of businesses that are going to take a hit in those situations. Uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to online shopping, I mean, I, I don't I don't put any of my clients anywhere near franchises that are product based. If it's a product and service combined, perhaps. But if it's a product based concept, you want to steer well clear of that. When it comes to recession, there are certain franchises and businesses that will that will be hurt dramatically by recession. And yet there are others that won't be impacted by recession. And still, there's another group of them that actually do better during a recession. Uh, and in terms of my consulting business, usually when you go into a recession, a lot of people are getting laid off. And so actually, it, it unfortunately for those people, uh, it might be unfortunate, but from, from my standpoint, it's a more fortunate thing because then I have more clients to work with if, if I could take on more clients. But And often there's a silver lining to that because so many of the clients that I work with who have gotten laid off during recession, and they got into something that was their own uh, that they ran and you know they they absorbed it was their business and they can run it and they have a lifestyle now a reasonable lifestyle. They end up being thrilled with the move that they made. Uh, Unicia, uh, have you seen any uh, changes like behaviors with uh, with your clients in regards to everything uh, that's happening right now? Yes, um, I piggybacking off of what Robert said earlier. Uh, a lot of the clients that we work with have kind of some major questions in mind. Number one is 
what happens we've all heard about you know we're in a recession are we going into depression how does how will that shake out and how will it impact how will it impact people how will it impact businesses and and what we've seen is that a lot of individuals are trying to make sure that they're fine they're they're bolstering their businesses in such a way that they can ride that should things get worse. Um, the other thing that we're seeing in conjunction to that is a lot of uh, business owners want to make sure that their cash flow is fine, not only to maintain the businesses, but also kind of as a third point, they're concerned of, about what, how is it going to impact their bottom line as on a personal note. So we've got the business on one side, we've got the the personal on one side. So cash flow obviously impacting both. Um, a big question is how do we bolster cash flow? Um, how do we protect the money that comes in so that, you know, part of what we do is we help businesses stop financial leakage. Let's let's stop flushing money down the toilet because that money is money we don't have to go out there and make. And in many cases, we're losing it to things that we have no idea we're losing them to. And so um, again, cash flow protecting from, from what's happening potentially with the down market, but also very importantly, a lot of people are afraid. We've just come out of the, the pandemic uh, people still remember 2008, 2009. And so when I, whenever I hear people saying in 2008, 2009, this is what happened to me, and they're in a place that are just marginally better, um, they're afraid that with a potential, again, a downturn in the economy, comment from whichever industry aspect it will, they're afraid that they're going to be reset yet again. And so a big part of, of the strategies that we work on are, are things that can help clients bypass those things so that we can actually do business. We can uh, be more fulfilled in what we do and be more focused on, on helping scale and grow those businesses without the fear of, oh my gosh, the bottom is going to fall out. Um, and so it's just really, you know, how do we give people the opportunity to sleep better at night with, without those fears that inherently are are present whenever we're talking about corrections in the marketplace? Uh, Lynetta, you're doing, uh, you're in the law uh, world, and uh, I know you do coaching and all that. Uh, how is uh, business uh, in 2023? Actually, business has actually been moving around a pretty steady click, and it's really cyclical. So in the law industry, of course, you have different types of law. And what I have found is during recession, there are certain in parts of law that boom. So you're going to see foreclosures, you're going to see bankruptcies. And so any attorneys who are practicing in those areas, their businesses are going to go up. Right after those things start taking off, we then see a shift toward modifications, assumptions of loans. Because at the end of the day, Banks make money through interest and it is to their benefit and they are incentivized to try and keep the homeowner in the business as far as the real estate market is concerned. And so you're going to see increases there. And even during the pandemic, um, where a lot of businesses suffered, as Robert stated, um, my business was booming because there were many people who had to modify their loans. They weren't making payments, so they the bank had to process the paperwork to lower interest rates. They had to process the paperwork for the lower payments. And then for some of those folks, they weren't able to make a payment at all. So those payments had to be rolled to the back of the loan. Well, those transactions still have to be secured. And that's where I come in to ensure that the banks 
interest is protected. <clears throat> now, on the other side, you were talking about the coaching. Um, the people who were making these things happen to ensure that we still had an economy to protect, it was very stressful time. And there was not a lot of time to rest. There was not a lot of time to recuperate, but there was some time to reflect on what is my life really going to look like when this is over? Am I happy? Am I content with where things are? And that's pretty much how my business was birthed because I would talk to other professionals who were being hammered, just being honest with you. And they, some of them, while they were doing good work, they weren't necessarily fulfilled by it. And they had the time to ask the question, okay, so what, what now? Um, and it's always good to ask yourself that regardless of where you are in your career. Uh, personally, I try to ask myself that question every quarter so that I can continue to add value to my clients, but also to ensure that I'm living a life that I that is pleasing to me. Uh, so I'm going to talk about growth strategy. I know maybe it's not uh, the perfect timing, but eventually all this is going to pass. Uh, eventually, uh, if uh, someone wants to grow like uh, this, I'll ask for uh, Robert, uh, they want to grow uh, a growth strategy for their business. Uh, what would you say to them and what can they do like uh, for that to happen? Uh, so a lot, a lot of my clients are, they're coming from corporate America. Uh, they're not people who, Hey, I'm going to jump out of what I'm doing and I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump into some franchise full time. Help me find the right franchise. 80%, 80 plus percent of them are looking for something that they can ease into. Maybe they're making quite a bit of money in corporate America. They're upper management, C-suite execs. They're not going to walk away from that salary. They want that. They want that lifeline. So often, with many of my clients, I'm working, I'm looking for semi-passive investments for them. We can look at pa more passive investments. Those tend to be more expensive. So really the category that most of my clients I end up placing them with are concepts that you can put maybe 10 to 20 hours a week into, and you can get a business up and running while you stay in your full-time job. So in effect, you're building an off-ramp from corporate America, if that if that makes sense. Uh, a lot of my clients also are looking at it. They they want to build something bigger. They want to uh, create, uh, uh, you know, income replacement uh, in, in a franchise. And some of these franchises, single unit, could potentially do that for you, depending upon how much you're making. In some cases, they want to build well, well beyond that. Uh, I love franchising as an investment. A lot of my clients are... 90 plus percent of them are in the market. A good percentage of them, probably 30% in that range, also own real estate. When you look at real estate investments and what, if you got in at the right time, if you got in before COVID and you had that run up on equity in any properties you own, it was a beautiful thing. That's an anomaly. That's not happening all the time. So real estate investments are usually a long-term play, 15, 20 years, and then you cash in potentially on the equity. The vast majority of my clients who have real estate holdings that, um, th that they're managing properties, be it single family home, duplexes, whatever it happens to be, and they have multiples of these, most of them are not making money. I mean, by the time they have a management company, if because they don't have a management company, they're spending a lot of time and it's becoming like a second job for them. 
but most of them have a management company and typically they're losing a little bit of money. Maybe they're breaking even with it, but they are riding that equity train. They want to see that equity increase over time. The thing I love about franchising, if you get into the right franchise, equity builds at a much more rapid rate and you have cash flow much more quickly if you get into the right franchise. So let's say you get into a franchise and you made an investment of $300,000 and you're able to cash flow positive year one, $100,000, but it grows, it grows from there, grows to a quarter million dollars and your investment was $300,000 into that that franchise, total investment. I'm not saying cash on cash return, but total investment. That franchise, if it builds to a quarter million dollars bottom line, let's say a million and a quarter top line, that franchise should be worth typically with franchising somewhere between a uh, three to five multiple of earnings. So that franchise should be worth 750 to one and a quarter. So that's why a lot of my clients have positioned themselves with these these types of concepts that they could put some time into, start building equity in it over time, have experienced really strong cash flow, but then eventually have an exit strategy, okay? Be it a three-year, five-year, be it a 20-year exit strategy. I just see these types of concepts versus the market or versus real estate simply being a, a considerably better ROI, if that makes sense. Hmm. Uh, Unicia, you're wealth strategist. So what are the, some uh, strategies that uh, you have for uh, entrepreneurs, for business owners, and uh, and uh, also for individuals? Well, that's a great question. What I would, I would say, instead of focusing on what is it that we have, right? Uh, oftentimes the conversation with the client focuses on what is their, what is it that they're trying to achieve? Because it's not about, to me, it's not about fitting a square peg in a round hole or the other way around in English as a second language. It's really about what, and I spoke about this earlier, what is going to make the client sleep better at night, find the fulfillment, find the joy, because it's not the end of the day, it's not just about the money. And so we see kind of growth opportunities into two in, in two ways. Um, on one side is, you know, kind of going back to the to the concept of the off, off ramp, specifically for executives. I, I once upon a time, I used to be an executive in corporate America, and kind of took a dive without a parachute. Thankfully, um, I did have a backup parachute, which was my husband and provided a ton of support. But now when I when we work with executives in the corporate world that are asking themselves the question, should I, could I become an entrepreneur or a business owner? The idea is, yes, you can. Let's first of all, make sure that you're comfortable with what that entails from a financial perspective so that you can step into a place of growth and expansion um, because that's what you want. And you know that there are going to be long nights and you know that it's going to be hard but having the financial uh, question at bay and not having that nip at your heels is huge. On the other side, when we're talking about business owners, everybody wants to grow. But how do you grow, especially to your point from earlier, in an environment like it is today? Hopefully, it will, everything will come back around. But business owners are concerned about, you know, how do I increase my top line? How do I increase my bottom line? And one of the things that, that we see a lot of clients is they they 
a start in many cases, um, a lot of business owners, especially, they start doing a lot of different things in hopes that one of the things that they're doing are going to be bringing back returns. The guidance that I have for individuals that are, are stretching themselves too thin is yet again, let's figure out what are the things that you can do with perhaps the businesses that they already have existent or the stretch strategies that they currently have in play and how do those fit into the broader scheme of things? Because otherwise they're going to be stretched too thin. They're going to feel the financial pressures. They're not going to be happy with what they do. And at the end of the day, that's all going to speak in terms of the results that they're going to see in the business, which ultimately translate into perhaps not as as rampant of a growth as they would like it. And in many cases, cases it could be stagnation or it could be even just going the other way. And so it's really, really important to understand what is it that the clients play at best. So I'll give you a perfect example. Working with a client right now, um, very, very uh, done very well for himself in the construction industry. Um, he's got three different companies that are all are working together, right? They're, they can buy materials from one another. They're kind of a material slash services um, uh, entities. And, and as we're looking at what does that look like for the client in terms of, for example, the exit strategy, he wants to grow the businesses because he one day wants to sell them in the next three to five years. But then on the other side is the question of which of the businesses, the, the three main businesses that he's, he's um, overseeing in addition to real estate and other things, which one of those is, is probably not as well fitted for his exit strategy and he doesn't want to focus on. And so we're going through the process of he's actually selling that business because then he can focus on the other two that are a lot more complementary to each other, scale them in such a way where he's going to be able to get top dollar. So the answer really depends based on the industry, based on what the client's trying to achieve and based on you know what is the long versus the short-term goal. Uh, Lineta? So what's your take on that, on uh, growth strategies for uh, entrepreneurs and business owners? So I actually agree with what's already been said. The first thing is there has to be a mindset shift from working for someone else to working for your hardest and toughest boss, which is yourself, because you give yourself so much grace and you forget that the same things that made you successful in that job, it's going to be times 10 for you to work for yourself. So that's the first thing. There has to be an understanding that you're going to be the one holding yourself accountable. Related to that, that means that you also have to give yourself some of the perks that you had from the job, even when it feels impossible. You have to give yourself vacation to re-energize. You have to go to conferences just to learn, not always to be the person presenting. You have to be in this place of perpetual customer service. Excuse me. And that is a, a shift that a lot of people don't make. And it's one of the reasons that entrepreneurship can be very tough. Uh, the second thing is having that support. Um, I, when I branched out, I also had a awesome life partner, my husband, um, who was there to fund things sometimes when the money just was not flowing. Because once you get into business for yourself, sometimes you have periods where you have money that comes in and then you will have a long period where there's not a thing. And until you get to a place where you can build up to have a line of credit to smooth those rough patches, it's going to be tough for you to take care of the things that you normally would 
without thinking about it because you have a check coming in every two weeks, once a month on a schedule. Um, the next thing is you have to get to a place where you learn to trust other people. <laughs> and when you're hiring, that is scary. This is your baby. This is your dream. This is your business. And so you don't necessarily want to just hand it off to anybody, but you have to get to a place where you're willing to trust so that you can scale. Because if it's just you, you're not going to grow. You have to bring in people who are committed, who really care about not just their profession and their reputation, but care about the mission, vision, and values of the services that you're providing. Um, I heard this awesome podcast earlier this week, and I was like, yep, that's exactly right. Um, the gentleman said that instead of interviewing three people and then picking one, you have to be willing to put in the time to interview 20 to get the right one. And when you are first starting up and when your business is small, you don't want to put in the time <laughs> to do that. So one of the things that um, I learned and I share this with my clients, I used to recruit for the C-suite um, before I launched my firm. And we would contract with our clients to have them come to our office and we would have an entire day of interviewing candidates that we'd already pre-screened based on what they said that they were looking for. And so it made it easy for them. I'm just asking for a day. I will feed you, but you will leave here today with a person who will fit into your organization well. And instead of you spending time, because this is not your area of specialization, but it's mine, you know? And so now you can go off and do the things that you do well. You will find someone you that can help you to do it and you can move on into growing your business. So those those are my those are my thoughts on that. Uh my next question is gonna be for uh, uh Unicia. Uh uh when you're going into the uh, entrepreneurial uh, world in the business world, uh, you're leaving everything like behind, like security and all that, job security and all that, uh, retirement and all that, the benefits. Uh, how uh, when in, when it comes to business and entrepreneurs, uh, what uh, can you tell us a little bit? Like, uh, what's the the basic uh, uh, the basic frame like for financial security for people to establish financial uh, security for themselves as an entrepreneur so that's a great question uh richard it's again it kind of depends from individual to individual so if you're listening today and you're like okay i'm a business owner i'm an entrepreneur i've invested all of my eggs in that business basket right we all know what's happened during covid we all know what happened during 2008 2009 a lot of businesses went under. And as they went under, so they took with them savings and growth and opportunities that individuals had built for themselves all within the business. Um, yes, you're right. Leaving a corporate environment is not only challenging, but you are leaving that security. But I find it's even more challenging for business owners that perhaps have been business owners for a long time and they have no security blanket. Um, I, I mean, I've, we have clients that are, that own companies that bring in revenue to the tune of millions and millions of dollars. I couldn't make this stuff up millions of dollars, 
But when we're looking at what's in it for them on a personal note, that was a thing that was kind of left out of sight and out of mind. One of the challenges and one of the the things that um, I love what Lanita said earlier is individuals have to be willing to see and to feel and to seek guidance and support, whether it be through a coach or whether it be to actually pay to get better services. In our line of work, everybody just kind of wants it for free. And I can't tell you how many times individuals will come and say, but just do it for me, Unicia. Just can it be free and can you do it for me? And the answer is no and no. And the reason for that is because if we just did it for them, they wouldn't feel it. They wouldn't step into what needs to be done and what is that thing or that action or the series of actions that are going to make them feel financially secure in the future. And then the other thing is when people are just looking, especially business owners, let me just get it for free. It becomes a problem. I'll give you another example. I speak through examples, by the way. Um, just earlier today, I was on a call with um, with one of our business coaches. And one of the things he said, and he pointed out so clearly, he said, too many business owners just want to skim the outskirts of the free guidance that they're receiving from masterminds, right? Brilliant business owners that offer specific services, but they don't, they're not willing to pay. And because they don't pay, they end up in this ringamarole of never getting out to the actual ultimate success. And I've seen that attributed to business owners that won't pay for a business coach, won't pay for a sales coach, won't pay for won't pay for financial support. We see that all the time. People are like, well, why would I pay for a wealth strategist to help me with all of this? And it's like, because we know that how many people are there that are leaving money on the table? And we're talking about, in many cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars per year. And even if it wasn't hundreds, what if what if you knew that you're probably leaving $30,000, $80,000 per year to chance or overpayment in taxes every year, but you're not willing to do things differently? And I know Lanita can speak to this from a CPA standpoint. We see it all the time. People are not, when, when they're not incentivized and they're not looking at what can I do to truly build my own financial independence, that's where problems start happening. And so um, it's not as easy as just do this or do that. Financial independence, especially on a personal note, it has to be personal. We have to feel the feelings, even if they're uncomfortable, because once we feel those feelings, guess what? On the other side is a beautiful scenario, but only if you actually go through that pain sometimes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask this question I forgot to ask at the beginning. Uh, why did you guys uh, jump jumped in into entrepreneurship? I'll start with Robert. Uh, <laughs> great question. Because I couldn't do anything else. I mean, I, I failed at just about it. I, I wasn't a good employee. I didn't enjoy it. I I highly doubt that. You just don't seem like that kind of guy. <laughs> I am telling you, I am telling you, it was just, I hated having people tell me what to do. I wasn't good at that at all. A lot of my clients are like that as well. So I begged, borrowed, and stole basically to get my first franchise that I launched in 1986. And just purely by dumb luck, I got the right location, got some of the right people in place. And that unit that I opened on Wayne and Shelton Avenues in Germantown area, Philadelphia, 
That unit it opened December 1986, right before Christmas. That January, it was the top unit in the chain. And there was about 150 units in the chain at that at that point. And that propelled me to allow me to open open a number of additional stores and, and really got me off. I've made plenty of mistakes, believe me, but uh, I there was a there's a certain amount of luck involved. And I could have chosen the wrong franchise. Uh, that one just happened to work out for me. If I would have taken the wrong path, I might have gone down the tubes and then I, I might have been an employee. I may have gone back with my tail between my legs and was an employee and, and stayed there for the rest of my career. But I, I honestly, I just wasn't cut out for it. Uh, Lynetta? So it was actually similar. I was a good employee, but I hated when I saw inefficiencies, things that I really knew were ethical challenges. Um, I saw some things that I knew were illegal going on in various places, and I just I couldn't take it because, you know, it's my license. This is my livelihood. I spent a lot of money getting my degrees and people invested a lot. And I was like, I can do this myself. And so I did. Um, and, and my husband was very supportive. Thank God that first year standing up the firm was rough. <laughs> and our daughter was born, what, six months in? Uh, I literally tendered my resignation on a Tuesday and found out she was on the way that Thursday. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Girl, yeah. That, that would be a tough one. Oh, it my was, gosh. It was. I tell you, my husband is a saint because he was like, we're moving forward. And Your daughter's going to be more resilient for it. I promise you that. <laughs> I, I She already is. Like when she talks. She talks about getting a job for experience and and to network, but she clearly knows she's going to work for herself one day. And I am just so proud of her because when I started working, that was not really in my mind. It really was a push because I was like, well, I keep winding up in these same situations. So the problem can't be them. It's got to be me. I just I don't fit. It's not OK for me to see things we could do better that we could do well, forget better sometimes, just do well, and they're not being done. And I, I was not in that place. Well, I still am not, Twenty, almost 20 years later, where it's okay to just say, oh, well, the client paid. <laughs> it's just like, no, they paid for a service and good service. We need to provide that. Eunicia? Uh, I, I love what you said, Lenita, especially about your daughter. A funny story. My, our 10 uh, year old son just submitted his very first proposal. Um, we were talking about some things that needed to be done around the house. And he said, Mom, I could, I could do those things. So, um, long story short, I was trying to negotiate him and he had this bulletproof approach to here's how much time it's going to take me per unit. And mom, I'm not going to go backwards. And then he came back and he said, I've submitted my proposal. I think I underestimated the amount of time it's going to take. So tips would be appreciated. Do you want me to include that in? <laughs> I know. But about my journey to entrepreneurship, for, for me, it was a little bit of, of um, kind of from two angles. Angle number one, I was up for partner in a major uh, consulting firm. And the question, funny enough, came from my husband. He said, I think we need to talk. And I looked at him and I said, for all these years, you've been my biggest supporter. And now 
that we're having this conversation, you want to talk? <laughs> and so I, I kind of took it almost offensively, but he he was very strategic. He said, listen, you make a great employee, but, and as, as a leader, I was of course a leader, but at that next level, you no longer drink the Kool-Aid. You officially have to sell it. And kind of to, to your point, Lenita, about, you know, the moral compass, there are specific things that you're okay to just overlook. But when you have to sell those things, it became in my mind, it just kind of became this, this weird sphere of, is this truly what I want to do? And so it was at that point in time, my husband said, I, I just need you to take a hiatus, take six months to yourself. You deserve it. You've worked really hard and figure out what you want to do. It was at that point in time when we had some financial um, financial uh, products that were coming due and the salespeople were literally at our door. I was asking questions. They could not articulate the answers. And I, I do ask a lot of questions. I'm a huge believer in asking questions. And when I saw and I felt the sales breath and nothing more than just buy this and trust me, you'll be okay. As a strategy consultant, I was like, this, this doesn't feel right. So I looked at my husband, we finally got some support. It felt like it was better than before. Financial advisors does not really want to talk to us for one of the main reasons is we love real estate. My husband's in real estate. We understand real estate very well. Uh, we had done well for ourselves, but because there wasn't a whole lot of extra money for them to invest on our behalf, of course, we weren't exactly getting the highest priority. And so at that point in time, I looked at my husband, I said, somebody needs to figure this out because if we as high income individuals, and, and he was a business owner, are having these challenges, I can't imagine that there are very many people out there that are that have the right support. So he looked at me and said, I don't have the bandwidth. Congratulations to me. He learned consulting, consulted T's, right? He learned some of the terminology. So I said, you know what? We need to figure this out first for ourselves because it's too painful. I hate being and talking to financial professionals and feeling yay tall, this tiny little tall as a human being. Yeah. People need to feel the grace that what they've accomplished and what they can accomplish is there and, and they can step into it. And so I started just digging my heels into what, what the challenges that we had, what were the blind spots and going down that path, what we, what I discovered was that uh, a methodology had been born for how we can help clients truly avoid their blind spots. And initially the, the, my practice started out as um, kind of growing it and giving it to my husband, kind of like as a, as a beautiful baby, take care of it. And I kind of fell in love with it. I fell in love with with the the feelings of of success that I saw my clients experience, and um, I was not going to give it up anymore. So I've been at this for for several years at this point, and in the financial services industry for nearly two decades. Uh, as entrepreneurs, when they build their business, they make sacrifices <laughs> and all that. You know. A lot of hard work, you know, uh, sometimes it takes years like to build a business to the level that they want. Uh, I want to talk about uh, protecting their assets. Uh, things can happen in life like a lawsuit and all that. Uh, I'm going to ask Lenita first and then uh, Eunice, you could uh, you could back it up after uh, if you uh, if you want to. Uh, how can they uh, protect their assets from uh, any of those things or or? or just in general, protecting their assets? Yes, so that's an awesome question. Um, I have been working more 
with uh, small business owners and individuals lately on how to do that. That is one thing that I think COVID did that really woke up a lot of people that tomorrow is not promised. And it was interesting to me because we all go to funerals throughout the year, but COVID made it personal because just about everyone knew someone who was impacted by the pandemic. And so the first thing that I advise people to do, because this is something almost everybody can afford to do, is get some insurance. Um, we, we don't talk enough about that. And term life insurance is relatively inexpensive now. When you can afford whole life, absolutely, won't you do that? But definitely get insurance, life insurance. Um, the second thing related to that is get burial insurance as well. Not expensive. If there is a certain funeral home you want to take care of your um, going home service, then talk with them directly because many of them have payment plans. Please do that. But definitely get it in. The policy does not have to be large. Um, the third thing that you want to do is if you have um, real property, so home um, buildings, that kind of thing, you might seriously want to consider setting up an LLC and either transferring those items into the LLC's name if you are running them for a business purpose, because I, I work with a number of investors and they are doing it scared. And I put that in quotes because they don't have anyone guiding them. They just are very good with making money. They went out there and purchased the property and stuck a renter in there and said, I'm a landlord. And even the terminology, I'm like, you are an investor, you are a business owner, <laughs> we got to get you set up as one, right? Um, the second thing is, for your personal home, I suggest setting up a trust and transferring your home. And if you have items of value into the name of the trust, um, and then you appoint your selfish trustee, and then you have a backup trustee for the time when you go on. Um, that allows you to um, ensure that those assets pass outside of probate, which can be long and stressful. For some states, it can take two and three years. Do you really want your heirs and the people who you love who are left to deal with this to have to deal with that? And the answer to that is no, no, you don't. Um, the next thing you want to do is you absolutely want to set up your estate plan. Now, the trust can be part of the plan or not. Uh, I like to do it comprehensively. You want um, a will, an advanced directive. And so that's how you want um, your doctor to handle your care if you are not able to speak up for yourself and who you want to make those decisions on your behalf, whether it's a family member or a friend. You also want a financial power of attorney. You want someone to have um, authorization over your financial affairs and you can restrict that. And so it can be as broad or as limiting as you want. You can have one person over certain things and another person over other things because everyone has different skills, gifts, and talents. And then if you have children, you also want to set up a conservatorship. Um, so you want a guardian. So that's the person who's in charge of your child's person. But the conservatorship is over your child's assets. Because again, you have family members who are very nurturing and loving, but they might not be all that great with money. And you want to make sure that whatever you've left, whatever you worked hard for, for your family is there in case you're not. So those are the things that I advise my clients on and potential clients on, on how to protect themselves. Great information. I was right 
was feverishly. Yeah, I saw you. I was like, let's do it, team. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, I love that. I love that, Lenita, as, as, as you were kind of going through, um, if I could summarize, because I think there's some really good nuggets, is is make sure that your legal structure is in place. And, and please don't try to just do this on your own. Um, there are a lot of people who are who will say, it's funny, there are a lot of people who will say, I need an LLC in order to open up a business. It's like, really, you don't. But once you do want to set up a business, make sure that that your overall structure is set up correctly from a business, from a legal, and oh, by the way, from an IRS standpoint, right? All of those things are very, very critical. And if you don't have them all together, it's it could potentially put your business at risk. The other thing you mentioned, uh, Lanita, was the estate and the I call it the legacy planning as well, right? And and one of the things that I'd like to add to this category outside of the directives, the trust the life insurance asset structuring is a really really big thing a lot of people do not know that rules the rules and regulations have changed and legislation made there's a huge change in legislation a couple of years ago to where 401ks ira plans etc they no longer transfer to the heirs or to the beneficiaries the same way that they used to transfer. There are specific time limits on what happens with that money. And oftentimes it catches the next generation in a really, really poor timing because they are congratulation during the period of time when they had, they're experiencing their highest earning years. And if parents and aunts and uncles did not structure things correctly while they were still alive, you may be thinking that you're leaving a blessing to to those behind you, but in some cases, you may be leaving them a hot potato that they need to figure out what to do with. So that's a big, big one as well. And then the other thing that um, I would add is the exit strategy. What is that extra strategy going to look like for us? What do we need to be thinking about? Are we going to exit the business? Is it going to be sold to a family member? Are we going to sell it and we want to make sure we get, you know, Robert was talking about the biggest multiplier. Um do we want to just donate this business? Or if we are thinking about, again, our personal financial situation, how are we going to make sure that the the things that we're working for so hard and the money that we're working to earn today is actually going to maximize our retirement income? Because oftentimes that's the other taboo thing. We don't want to talk about that until unfortunately we see that it becomes too late. And people make the wrong decisions with, you know, how to use leverage, for example, pay down the house not pay down the house, get a mortgage, get a loan, not get a loan, even on the business. And because of the decisions they make, oftentimes, when it becomes too late, the question then becomes, are you going to be able to eat sheet rock? Because there is no planning ahead of time. And people just focused on just just pay everything off. And they forget that liquidity can make a big difference when push comes to shove and when times get tough. So those are my couple of additional critical points there as well. Great point. Great. Uh, I'm going to wrap it up in about a minute, uh, in about a minute or two, if you guys could give uh, uh, your take on everything we've talked about, entrepreneurship, saving, investing, uh, wealth creation. What would you guys uh, would have to say? I'll start with Robert. Uh, I'm one part of the equation. And then when clients get into concepts or I help them find the right concept, then Unicia and Latina, then their expertise takes over with that. 
um, from the setup standpoint and then long-term strategy and, and, and so forth. So what I, I guess I'd like to leave uh, your listeners with is that, you know, if you're, if you're interested in getting out of corporate America, if you're interested, and it could be, again, a very gradual plan to do so. You want life balance. You don't want to be working 40, 50, 60, in some case, 70 hours a week. You know, franchising is a really good vehicle if used properly, if you find the right franchise concept. But you have to be extremely careful. I would suggest to you, I mean, there's over 4,000 different franchise concepts out there. I'd easily suggest that 60% of those you want to go nowhere near. But then again, there's some great concepts, really good financial opportunities, and you're trading some of your time for a much better return on investment. If that is worth it to you, then look at franchising. If not, don't. And don't don't try to do it on your own, I might add to that, Robert. Yes, exactly. And uh, Ineta, last words? Last words, I would say you really need a good team of advisors. Um, you can call it a kitchen cabinet, mentors, coaches, but you really need to surround yourself with people who have already done what you are trying to do. Um, when I got started, I did not have that. And that first year, like I said, was very rough, um, learning a lot on my own. Um, but I I feel that I was very blessed because I met the people that I needed because I was constantly going out and networking and talking to people and and being very uh, transparent and humble and asking for the help. I didn't pretend like I knew everything. Sometimes I would be quiet and, and things that I did know, I didn't say anything so that I could learn more. And um, I still have many of those mentors and they have championed me. And um, I, I continue to learn. Um, just serving on this panel, I have expanded my understanding of a lot of concepts and I'm very grateful for it. And so if you you ensure that you have a, um, a mind and a heart that are open to learning instruction and implementation, you will be fine. Well said. Uh, um, I would say that when it comes to business ownership, um, two things come to mind. One is how we feel as individuals and going through those ups and downs that we talked about. And the other one is the the constant question of, of growth. And we talked about that as well. And I would just love to leave our listener with, with the following question. Do you want to go at it alone? Mm-hmm. And do you want to just grow? Or do you want to feel like you're not alone, which would ultimately also position you to truly scale? The decision is yours. What, going one way versus the other is not necessarily bad, but one will definitely lead to different results and different feelings than the other would. So ask yourself that question as you're thinking about your business and your future as a business owner and or entrepreneur. Amen. Thank you. Uh Thank you, everybody. Thank you to uh, my three panelists who accepted my invitation. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much. I hope everybody found some value and they learned a lot uh, in this episode. I know I did. Uh, so uh, thank you once again. 
Um, so on that note, uh, thank you everybody for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Welcome to a better lifestyle. My name is Richard Lesperance and I go by the name of my man, Richard, and we'll see you on the next episode, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time listening to the podcast and you like it, please don't forget to subscribe at the end. Thank you and see you next time.